following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. How much alcohol can I drink and still safely take NyQuil? Well, here's a quick question for you. How much NyQuil did you already take? Oh, jeez. Oh, fuck. Damn, that's scary. Now, if you really want to emulate uh, one of our favorite celebrities, you're going to want to combine every drug you've got in your medicine cabinet. Uh, yeah. Put in a little bit of raspberry jam, some frozen orange juice concentrate. Okay. Um, the toenail of a homeless man. Okay. Mix that up in a nice little cocktail with your whiskey. You're going to want to pour that, not into your mouth. Uh, try yep. and get it in one of your other holes, you know, either your nostril or possibly even your ear if you want to get fancy. Just make sure you fill those sinuses right up with that goo. <laughs> then you want to take at least two to three bumps of MDMA, anally inserted, of course. Of course. The basketball league? And then you wash it all down, just get a funnel, and you're just going to want to drown all those fucking substances together into a nice, big, fat, disgusting cocktail. Empty it down the hatch and call me in the morning. Hey! The old Sherry Martell. Yeah, the old John Belushi. Oh, got it. The Amy Winehouse treatment. Uh, yep, they call that Chris Farley. Oh, you mean the old Anna Nicole Smith. Or the Michael Jackson. The River Phoenix. Elvis Presley. Or the Prince. Billy Mays. A little bit of the old Bon Scott. Philip Seymour Hoffman. You mean the Margot Kidder. No, I don't uh, mean to seem crassier or anything, but seeing as it is, Feld March. Uh, Feld March. Feld March. Feld March. Feld March. Feld March. Is it okay to mention Corey Haim? <laughs> too soon, man. Might be a little too soon, but what's even more too soon? Uh, or not soon enough. Or not soon enough, may I be so bold, to mention <laughs> our favorite drug overdose celebrity. Soon to be drug overdose celeb. Oh! Allegedly. Corey Feldman! He's been dead inside for years. That's why I considered it relevant. Oh, God. Month. Yeah. The Feldman must be protected. Oh, yeah. Hide your Feldman. Hide your Feldman. Hide your kids. Hide your Feldman. It's Feldmarch here at DTS. And uh, we don't want him to die. At least for Mothers, another two days. Lock up your daughters, baby. Feldmarch is coming in hard. It's coming in fast. And its heart's going to give out at any second. <laughs> Not a joke, Corey Feldman. Everybody, let's celebrate Corey Feldmarch. Oh! It's Feldmarch. It's Feldmarch. It's Feldmarch. It's Feldmarch. That's actually hilarious. Ladies and gentlemen, we are... We are... We're on all kinds of crazy, weird fucking drugs today. Yes, yes, we are. I am... My name is Micah. I am coming out of... Reno, Nevada. I am sick as a dog, but we are still doing this shit over there in the beautiful Buffalo, New York, is the handsome mustachioed face, Greg. Craig. Say hi to the peoples. I won't ever slack up. 
Punk, you better back up. I can't make it down. I can't make it down. And I'm hey. not sick as a dog, but I will bark at you anyway. All bark, no bite. That's what I've always said about you, Greg. Well, it's not very nice. No, no, no. I don't mean that. You got a huge dick. Sick Mike is kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> it was uh, the drugs talking. It was the MDMA. Excellent. Well, Greg, you watch anything uh, new this week? No. No. Okay. Yeah. I've been a little bit sick. Asshole. And I've been pounding antibiotics, acetaminophen, antihistamines, cocaine, 64 ounces of bum jug wine, MDMA, and about six to seven frozen solid chunks of crystal methamphetamine. <laughs> Pounded just straight up my ass. Because that's how I get to sleep when I'm sick. I don't know about you, but yeah. uh, you can take this advice. It's tried and true. I don't know. I'll see you in a couple of days when uh, when my brain gets right again. I did watch a couple of trailers, though. Yeah! Hey! Oh. Want to talk about them? No. No. Just kidding. Actually, my biggest problem is I'm dead fucking sober, man. Is there anything in the vicinity around you that you could just... Oh, I don't know. Just fucking huff? Well, I've got some paint thinner... Over here, I think that's pretty high in tuline. Bingo. Uh, some varnish. Oh, the um, varnish. Oh, yeah. There's kind of there's like a mystery can over in the corner with some kind of liquid. It's sort of got that that multicolored rainbow shimmer on the surface of it, and it oh, stinks real bad. So that's every fucking body water in Ohio right now. It's just it's straight up Lake Erie water. Yeah. Asshole. Pretty sure if I if I dip a couple of my fingers in there and then just kind of. You know, stick them inside. That'll do something for me. Stick them in your eyes. Yeah, fuck yeah. Treat it like it's Nuke from RoboCop 2. So, actually, give me a couple of minutes. I'm going to give that a quick try. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Yay! <laughs> and I did watch a couple of trailers. Uh... Okay. Yay! Would you like to hear them? Boy, howdy. The first one is a little movie I like to call The Artifice Girl. And this is what would happen if Ron Weasley confessed to the police that he had an imaginary friend whom he may or may not have murdered. Detective Eddie Griffin wisely infers that the victim is probably just a photo of his neighbor taped to a vacuum cleaner. It's a tale as old as time as a young man's demented loneliness drives his lust for machinery to strange new heights. What are you, my dad? It is The Artificial Girl. Yeah, The Artifice Girl is actually the directorial debut of Franklin Rich. Good. Basically, the movie is about a team of special agents discover a revolutionary new computer program to bait trap online predators. What do you my dad? They soon find that the AI is rapidly advancing beyond its original purpose. This kind of sounds like a mix between Megan and uh, uh, Chris Hansen. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, young man fucks his vacuum cleaner, right? That's kind of what it is. I mean, it's, it's we've advanced so much as a civilization where uh, I believe the cavemen just bashed their dick with rocks. Uh, eventually, we started masturbating. Uh, cutting holes in watermelons. Uh, eventually, we were heating up donut holes. Uh, eventually, we started masturbating. Now it's just like, it, it, as you said, we've evolved to the vacuum cleaner. Now it's uh, artificial intelligence, man. 
Yeah, I think they're they've been doing that in Japan for a while, where uh, you know, all of your household shit talks to you. Once, yeah, once something's you, talking to you, it's only a matter of time before you try to fuck it. If it's got a mouth, my dick's going in it. It's the caveman way. <laughs> yes, it is. Artifice girl coming soon. Apparently, so are we. Actually, we started masturbating. Okay, what we got next? Our next trailer is called The, the Black, Black Demon. Demon. And this is about a Spanish family's trip to Taco Bell, which goes horribly awry when an oil spill causes nature to shit out a giant fuck-off killer shark in this modern take on the infamous Tlaloc legend. And I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. This summer... <laughs> Jaws meets Jaws the Revenge meets Deep Blue Sea meets The Meg in The, the Black, Black Demon. Demon. You know what? I, Greg, it's, it's a shark movie. It's a big shark I couldn't movie. have said. It's another fucking shark movie. Yep. It, it, it has, but this looks good. It looks fun. I love shark movies, man. I'm a big slut for shark movies. This sure. will be coming out in theaters April 28th. It's definitely, as you said, a mix of Jaws, Jaws Revenge, The Meg, Sharknado, Snakes on a Plane, the Meg, the fucking uh, uh, Tarantula Cobra, the Meg. Uh, there was a, Megalodon. a key scene in the trailer where a big shark jumped out of the water and ate a tiny boat. So that's enough for me. You know what? It's happened a million times, but baby, let's keep it going, right? April 28th is fucking Shark Week, whatever day of the week that is. Doesn't did matter. you see that uh, Tommy, what's his name? The fucking disaster artist, the guy who did the room? Tommy Wiseau? Tommy Wiseau. Well, he, he made a shark movie. Did you see anything about that? Was it called The Black Demon? <laughs> Man, I fucking wish. I do this whole movie for you, Greg. No, his shark has... It's like street sharks, but not street sharks. Isn't street sharks basically just Ninja Turtles? Yeah, basically. But sharks? no, like these But these are like sharks on the street, and they're eating people. Sounds like a Tommy Wiseau classic to me. It sure does, man. It sure does. I'd rather watch that than The Black Demon. I would rather watch The Room starring a shark than any of these movies. You are tearing me apart, you son of a bitch! Ah, but the one good good quality about The Black Demon, I think, is that Adrian Grunberg, the guy that directed Rambo Last Blood, did this movie. Uh, Rambo Last Blood is gory as shit and totally over the top. I loved it. Yeah, I'm good with Rambo. I like a good Rambo movie. Short on dialogue. Long on gore. Big on cock. Can't go wrong. Nope. So our last trailer is called Stumming Stilvia. And I can only describe this as Macaulay Culkin and six of his straightest friends mince around a haunted house until the ghost of an old woman stuffs a cork in the metaphorical jug that is their party weekend. And yes, I did say cork with an R. <laughs> At one point, a 9-11 truther shows up to insult their sexuality and play the part of Jack Torrance for the night. It's Queer Eye meets The Conjuring in yet another possession film that really didn't need to be made. It's Stumming Sylvia. All this movie needs is Nathan Lane. It looks bad. This looks like a bad It movie. looks terrible. There's no redeeming qualities of this. It looks terrible. The synopsis is terrible. Greg basically fucking gave it all away right there. But this whole place sucks. It's going to be released uh, in select theaters April 7th. And also the same day will be released at home video on demand. 
April 7th, that's Shark Week! <laughs> is the entire month of April just one big fucking joke on horror movies? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no, it's not, Greg, because we are getting some good quality horror movies. Renfield oh. and Evil Dead Rise. Yay! Hell yeah, that's the and one so with the zombies. Really, movie. just two movies I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Everything else that's coming out in April kind of looks like it's the suck. But yeah, man, for the most part, it seems like it's just going to be a, a, a shit fuck fest. I personally can't wait. Well, Greg, how about some good news, man? Yes, please. This will totally make up for the, the absolute shitty trailers that we had to endure this week. Hey, 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 hey. What? The Artifice Girl looked genuinely sexually enticing. Go on. Uh, tell me something good about Guy Pierce. I'll tell you something good about Guy Pierce. Not only was he in Memento, Memento. but uh, he's also going to be starring in David Cronenberg's new film, The Shrouds. The Shrouds will start filming May 8th in Toronto. Also starring Diane Kruger from Inglorious Bastards and Vincent Castle. You know who that is? He lives in a castle, yeah. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. He was also, uh, he was in Irreversible. When you see the guy, you're like, oh, fuck, that guy. But you just never remember his name. Oh, fuck, that guy. Kind of looks like that sloth from Ice Age if he was a lot more French. Holy shit. Right? right? If I had to describe to the police sketchman what this fucker looked like, I would use that to a T, and the guy would actually draw out Vincent Castle to a T. Come here, Sketchman. I have a castle to describe. <laughs> now, this is so Cronenberg, Greg. Castle will play Karsh, an innovative businessman and grieving widower who builds a novel device to connect with the dead inside a burial shroud. The so burial... he can communicate with the cold blue spread eagle husk of his ex wife. <laughs> his dead wife. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait. Oh, boy. Yeah, this movie's going to be awesome. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of shrouds. Oh, man. So many shrouds. So we got something to look forward to from uh, Papa Bear Cronenberg. Anything that Cronenberg family pumps out, I'm going to fucking consume. You know, they really can't do any wrong, in my opinion. No, man. They can't. They're great. Wait. He's the guy that did Magic Mike, right? (laughs) Wait, was that his son? Does son do Magic Mike? No, none of them which, did Magic Mike. Which one of the Cronenbergs did Magic Mike? None of the Cronenbergs did Magic Mike. Stop saying that. Oh, well, I am mistaken. Wait, did they do Magic No, they didn't do Magic Mike. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is a nightmare. Well, dude, Lee Cronin, director of Evil Dead Rise. Is Wait, set Lee Cronin? Do- yeah, the Lee Cronin. Not Lee Cronenberg, just Lee Cronin. Did he do Magic Mike? So he's fresh off of Evil Dead Rise, which apparently is already getting fucking great praise. Yeah, uh, I've heard good things. Yeah, from the, the one screening they had. At the same time, though, when you have the whole cast there, including Bruce Campbell, you're going to fucking love it regardless. So, But I'm still, I, I think Evil Dead Rise is going to be great. But anyways, he's coming off of this. He's set to direct aquatic horror film, Thaw. So it's like an icy aquatic horror film. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think it's just water. It's set years after the polar ice caps have melted and the sea levels have risen, which uh, it's just fake news right there. Does Um, this uh, exist in the same universe as the Black Demon? 
Yeah, probably, actually. Inquiring minds want to know. I'll tell you this. Yeah. The story of Thaw centers around a group of survivors at sea searching for a new home. Their prayers are answered with the discovery of an inhabitable town. That is, until they encounter a new nightmare living just below the water's surface. It's the Black Demon, Greg. It has to be, right? This is basically, this is Waterworld meets the Black Demon. It's it's totally the Black Demon. And honestly, that sounds fucking awesome. I, I would like to see this movie. Honestly, got a big shark too. in it. Dude, I fucks with sharks, man. Big shark and uh, possibly Freddy Krueger from, uh, from what you just said. I didn't say anything about Freddy Krueger. Well, you did mention that there's a new nightmare uh, lying just below the surface of this water world. Oh, I love that movie. New Nightmare is so good. Also, Waterworld is fucking fantastic. Waterworld doesn't get enough fucking love, dude. Seriously, it's directed by the same guy that did Magic Mike. Brandon Cronenberg? The same. Oh, man, Greg. I don't know how I feel about this one, bud. You'll be okay. Okay, Ryan Coogler, director of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, is reportedly in works to reboot the X-Files series. That was created by Chris Carter back in 1993. Hold on. Yeah. Was the original title of Black Panther the Black Demon? (laughs) Was he originally a shark man? (laughs) Because if not, I'm copywriting that right now. Yes. Black shark superhero. That's the fucking future of Marvel Comics. Bruce Lee or whatever the fuck your name is. uh, Give me a call. We'll talk about it. Bruce Lee. You dumb idiot. You're going to have to get in a shroud to talk to Stan Lee, my friend. You mean I'm going to have to talk to the cold blue spread eagle husk? Oh, my God. Of Stan, of Stan Lee? Lee? In order to fulfill my dream of making a black shark superhero movie? Because I'll do it. Man, that actually sounds really cool. Right? I'm not just completely full of shit here. No, you're not. But anyway, uh, uh, that X-Files reboot is probably going to be okay, too. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe not. Who fucking cares? I love the X-Files. It's near and dear to me. That was my childhood. Uh, I mean, my God, the first four seasons were incredible. It goes through a, a whole range of uh, emotions. Like at some points, it's downright fucking comedic. At other points, uh, I it's terrifying. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say so. X- to me, X-Files was terrifying. X-Files gave me nightmares, man. Oh, yeah. When they were doing their uh, their Monster of the Week format, like there were some very fucking unsettling episodes yeah and then it kind of got silly uh i'm just worried what's gonna happen to the smoking man if it's gonna be like joanne rivers or something joanne rivers oh he has cancer oh you really it turns out you can't smoke for all that long even if you do know things about conspiracies well i mean we'll see what happens with that who knows if it'll even happen I mean, these things get talked about all the time, or it takes years and years in developmental hell to even happen. I mean, look at that fucking show, Welcome to Dairy. They're still in pre-production, Welcome to Dairy, and I think we reported on that at least two years ago. Actually, Bill Skarsgård was just, Bill Skarsgård was just in an interview recently saying that, as of now, he is not involved with the show at all. Um, So who knows what uh, Welcome to Dairy is actually going to be like, honestly, I don't really give a shit because we've stated in the past, Greg and I are not the biggest fans of it. Clowns are stupid. They're not scary. That is true. 
I Unless hope there's going to be a lot of uh, milk-related horror, though. Because dairy, that's funny. All right. Oh, my sweet Jesus. Did you hear the latest news on uh, Beetlejuice 2, baby? I heard that it's happening. Jean-Claude Van Damme is set to appear as a ghost. Is it going to be the ghost of Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yes! Oh, I, I was actually kidding. He's gonna—he's just going to play himself? I guess. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what the rumor is right now. But yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme is set to be a ghost of Beetlejuice too. Well, this whole and thing is taking place in fucking Hawaii, right? Something like that? Something like It's like a vac- vacation or some shit. All right, so I'm calling it right now. There's going to be a scene where the ghost of Jean-Claude Van Damme is surfing while simultaneously awkwardly trying to dance with attractive women, thus giving him a boner that throws his weight off and he comically falls into the waves, just like that video he did from the early 90s. If nobody knows what I'm talking about, go on YouTube and search Van Damme Boner. Trust me, it's worth it. I mean, I would like to see him do a split. Yeah. Yeah, go split. Yeah, with a boner. Yeah, ghost boner split. Awesome. This is a real thing, by the way. I didn't make that up. He, there is a Van Damme boner video. Yes. That I, that I think everyone needs to see. I think it's pretty, like, I think it's common knowledge, right? Yeah, it's, it's important that the world knows about it, though, is what I'm getting at. Okay. I'm spreading the word. I'm raising awareness. This is so important to me that if I had a million dollars and I had to choose whether to put it in a cancer awareness fund to support the new X-Files remake, or into this raise awareness about Van Damme's 1990s awkward dancing boner video fund, I would have no choice but to choose the latter. That's what this means to me. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm passionate about this subject. In case I know you up. are. I know you are. And I'm here for it. And I think Tim Burton would be wise to also develop a passion for this so that he can include it in his new soon-to-be-hit movie, Beetlejuice 2. I would like the punchline of that for the zipper to open up and Beetlejuice to pop out. Yeah, like the snake head. Right? Hey. The first one comes out. <laughs> it comes out of Van Damme's shorts. How's it work, Colonel? I'll handle this. Hey, come on. Hey, hey, hey! Excuse me? What? Here, hold that for me, will you? Whoa! There, you there you go. We are leaving now. Oh, hey. Go for your daughter, Chuck. <laughs> Van Damme, he's known for his double entendre. And I'm going to that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard oh man do i feel like shit but you know it'll make me feel better greg jean-claude van damme punching a bunch of pills into your asshole that and apologizing yeah this again that's right matt oh god tickle that ivory okay as per tradition i'll go go first. first all right I was going to apologize to a certain celebrity, but instead, I'm going to turn the apology to the fans. I was going to apologize to Corey Feldman for making Feldmarch such a big deal, but only having two weeks of Feldmarch. But you know what? Corey, you're just not worth it, man. You're a terrible human being, you're a terrible dancer, and you're a terrible actor. This is sounding less like an apology and more like an indictment of Corey Feldman's career. Yeah, that's why I'm going to apologize to the fans. We're sorry that we did this to you. I actually don't care, but go ahead. And you know what? Deep down inside, I just needed some time to fill this segment with. Same way John claude Van Damme just filled my ass full of pills. 
And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm just sorry. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'm up. Huh? Here we go. Uh, this week, I'd like to apologize for my apology last week. That's right. This is a major fucking plot twist. Oh, In a boy. rare moment of weakness... I found myself actually apologizing last week, albeit briefly, and not entirely sincerely, during our weekly apology segment. This kind of bullshit will not stand here at DTS, and I know that our audience and my esteemed co-host expect more of me. Hell, I expect more of myself. Or less, I'm actually not totally sure how this fucking works. Regardless, I promise here and now that never again shall I apologize during the apology corner. Even this one can't be trusted, and for that, I apologize. Kind of. That was just confusing. Really. Yeah, it's an anti-pology. Anthropology? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right, Greg, I think it's time to get into the movie of the week as we conclude Feld March. 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 Very good. So, what is our movie of the week this week? The Lost Boys! Oh, that's like one of my favorites. That that classic 80s film uh, with that Sutherland guy and the other uh -huh. guy, and there's vampires, uh -huh. and they're in uh, Santa Clara, just kind of surfing and having a great time, eating noodles, all that good shit. <laughs> the tribe. Oh, fuck. Yep. You mean the 2008 P.J. Pesci classic? That's the one, Greg. By P.J. Pesci, I mean Joe's version of Ellen Smithy. See, he's not very smart, but boy, can he rap. Go jump for joy, I'm the real McCoy. That's it, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm a wild guy. And yes, Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, truly is the tribal armband of vampire films. Oh my god. Yes, it is. It it took uh, elements of like Twilight, uh -huh. 30 Days of Night, and it's like they took the first movie and took out all of the good. Plot-wise, it's very similar to the movie that we all know and love. Just removing anything fun, charming, uh, scary. There's, just, there's really nothing good about this. It does have Corey Feldman, though, so... Oh, thank God. Hey! <laughs> This was a sequel that Joel Schumacher actually wanted to do for, like, years after 1987's The Lost Boys. Joel Schumacher actually wanted to do a movie called The Lost Girls. It would have and been not... the Ocean's 13 of vampire movies. Eight. 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 It would have and been not... the Ocean's eight of vampire movies. And now you know. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, if it, if it would have came out, like, a couple years after The Lost Boys, it probably would have been, like, hot. With a bunch of smoking hot 80s babes in it. You probably would have had like Winona Ryder in there. I mean, they tried that with this one. I guess maybe they were just about 20 years too late on it. I guess. I don't know. But like, Joel Schumacher wanted to do that. And then there was another script written where it was going to follow David Keith or Sutherland's character. Where it was going to be like a prequel, how he turned into a vampire. Uh, that uh, probably would have been. Real quick. Huh. Did you just call him Keith or Sutherland? Keith or Sutherland. Keith or Sutherland. Kiefer. Kiefer? 
Kiefer. And then there was another script called The Lost Boys Devil May Cry, which I don't know, might just be based on a fucking video game. A lot of backflipping and uh, guns akimbo in that one. But instead, we got this movie that Joel Schumacher actually said should not be made. <laughs> yeah. And we know that his judgment on uh, making or not making films is always trustworthy. I mean, just look at the Batman and Robin movie he made. Am I right? It is a masterpiece. Yeah. You remember that time Arnold Schwarzenegger made a ice-related pun? <laughs> Do I? That, that one time in that movie? Oh, the Ice Age. Am I right, fellas? Hey. Oh. <laughs> just chill. That was good. Thanks, Joel. It looks like hell did freeze over. Nah. <laughs> it's gonna be a cold day in hell. Ice. Ice. See you. <laughs> you know what my favorite band is? Ice Nine Kills. Okay, shut the fuck up. All right, Greg. Before we get into the plot, how about you give us our list of characters? Okay, fuckface. Our main character goes by the name of Chris. Emerson, and I can only assume that that is some odd effort by the writers to link him and his sister to uh, the main characters of the original movie. Yep. But they don't really do anything with it. They don't say much else about it. No, uh, they but don't. Chris is a typical California teenager. Take that to mean whatever you want. He is a ex-pro surfer. He is a vampire battler, and he is kind of a Corey Haim type. If you're into Corys, which we absolutely are here at DTS. Yeah. So this here fella is played by Ted Hinglebrink. I was going to say that. Yeah, Ted. You could, uh, you might remember him from such films as Epic Movie, where he played a Cyclops. Oh, yeah. He was the Cyclops. Yep. He was in The Hills Run Red, which is a 2009 uh, straight to DVD horror flick, which is actually kind of fun. Okay. And uh, he was in that one American Pie movie that went straight to video where he played as Matt Stifler, uh, Stifler's younger brother. Oh, fuck. I knew I recognized him from something. Bingo, bango. Yeah. That was a misguided effort on the part of American Pie. I mean, Eugene Levy was in it. That was kind of cool, I guess. And I'm sure somebody fucked some other kind of fucking baked good. So it's all. (laughs) Flutes and pussies, fucking pies. Super glue your hand to your car. It's the American way. There you go, American pie. USA! USA! Our next character is Nicole. Hey! She is Chris's hot but bitchy sister. Oh, she sucks. By which I mean, she's a little bit of a negative Nancy. She is a vegetarian blood drinker. And also, I'm just going to come right out and say it. She is vampire jailbait. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's either those vampires or Gene Simmons. Take your pick. Each history's greatest monster! The entire plot revolves around her just getting fucked over and over again. By vampires. Yeah, not great. No, no, no. This is Autumn Reeser. Autumn Reeser, honestly, is just known to be in every single TV series ever in the past 15 years. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like hundreds and hundreds of TV shows she just pops up in particularly the X-Files, and I believe that she's going on to star in uh, The Black Demon, coming in April. Sure. So next up, we have a little vampire that I like to call Heath Ledger. Oh. Yeah, he's actually another fucking Sutherland. Probably Keither. 
Keith or Southern. But he is a vampire surfer, a vampire biker, a vampire pervert. But he has a cool skull ring and some bitchin' tribal tats. So uh, he's all right by me. Yeah, he's fine. Did I mention uh, he's a Sutherland? Yeah, this is Angus Sutherland. This is actually uh, Kiefer Sutherland's little half-brother who towers over Kiefer by at least six inches. Only when he's laying on his back. Hey uh And yeah, he really fucking acts like a Sutherland. Like, he's doing a Kiefer impression through this entire movie. A Kiefer? Kiefer. 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 Either. Heathcliff. Heathcliff Sutherland. Excellent! Next is our most important character, the reason for the season, Mr. Corey Frogman. Oh, thank God. Yeah, it's Corey Feldman, but I did a thing with Frog because he's the, the frog brother like from the first Yeah, movie. yeah, I get it. That's uh, cool. He is a vampire hunter, an internet minister, a musician, a dance impresario, and a true drugged-up dynamo of a human being. The man can rock a fedora like it's no one's business. Also, his butthole has been used like a put more times than he can count. <laughs> the less we say about that, the better. Yep. Allegedly. 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 Wait, hold on. He's, he's come out and said it. He said it a few times here and there. He, he actually can't stop fucking talking about it. I'm pretty sure he mentioned it in this movie. That's funny! So our next character, I simply dubbed BJ Simpson. What? Because he is a local simp who doesn't know vampires are everywhere, but he also kind of does. He's pathetic. He wears a weird striped sweater. This is really just a guy who's trying to get some ass, and uh, he does not do a whole lot for this movie, aside from hit on Chris's sister, Nicole. Oh, Emo Evan? Yeah, BJ Simpson. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, played by Grayson Holt. Uh, Grayson... Grayson Holt? That's right, man. He's also in a bunch of TV series and he's in a bunch of made for TV movies. Yeah. I think he played one of the friends in summoning Sylvia. He played as Tyler in the Batwoman TV series. Oh, that's where I know I'm from. Yeah. That's exactly where he's from. Buttwoman. (laughs) Buttwoman versus Captain Stabbing the revenge. (laughs) And last and certainly least we have a character Named Aunt Jillian, she really doesn't do anything, but she is a flighty Santa Clara landlord, an oblivious dumbass, and the only thing she hates more than vampires is marijuana pipe smokers. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, God. She she just sucked. She's a big old fucking narc. Yeah, she was in that Once Upon a Time TV series. Honestly, everyone in this movie just did, like, TV series and made-for-TV movies. I know this probably isn't correct, but I she has to be the mom from Home Improvement, right? Wait, what? Right? Holy shit, it does look just like her, doesn't it? Is she not? No, but she was in Time Cop. Fuck! If we're bringing her back around as JCVD, and she was also in The X-Files. Beautiful. Now that our characters are out of the way, how would you like to get into the plot? Oh, man, we get right into it with a bunch of assholes reenacting the opening scene of Point Break. We open with a racially diverse group of teenage surfer punks 
noisily trespassing on Tom Savini's private beach property, which we all know is a bad move. Wait a minute. You mean the Savini? The Savini himself. Oh, my God. Do you mean to tell me the Savini also did the effects in this movie? He literally contributed the only good thing about this film because I got to say, the effects are actually pretty decent at parts. Which we will soon see because this group of teenage surfer punks decides to fuck around and find out that Tom Savini is, in fact, a vampire. (laughs) But there's a major plot twist because so are they! Yay! Whoa, how did he not know they were... Isn't it a thing like vampires are supposed to know they're like... In the presence yeah. of another vampire? You'd think they could kind of sense it, right? Something like that. Also, like they could smell uh, it. it zooms in on his face, and you see the reflections in his sunglasses, which doesn't really make sense. It's uh, Yeah, that was weird. We should probably be clear, this is a shoddily made film. Yeah, because later on, they actually have the mirror gimmick. Yeah, they emphasize that point. Yeah, you noticed that too. Good, I'm glad you brought but it anyway, up. But anyway, cut to the chase. They eat Tom and take his head as a trophy. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the stakes have been raised. This ain't your mama's Lost Boys. This is Lost Boys 2. The Try. But hey, man, they play Airborne during the opening credits, which is pretty sweet. Who doesn't love them? Some Airborne. Hey, man, Lemmy from Motorhead, he endorsed them. They're Australia's answer to Motley Crue. Yeah, okay. Something like that. Sure. Anyway... Backed by the sweet tunes of Airborne, Chris and his hot sister Nicole arrive at their Aunt Jillian's in Santa Clara, notably driving the car from the first Lost Boys movie, the 1957 Ford Fairlane. Yeah, they were trying to do like an evil dead thing with the Delta with that, which I mean, I guess is kind of cool. But then like the first thing he says to her is like, hey, isn't that right, little sister? And yeah, I was a- like... There's a lot of references to the first movie in this, and all it serves to do is remind you that there is a much better film with almost the exact same plot that has existed for 20 years that you could be watching instead of this fucking sequel bullshit. So it all just kind of falls flat. I like it. It's a statement. But anyway, Aunt Jay shows them the beachside cabin that they'll soon be occupying for the summer or whatever the fuck is going on here. And uh, the thing that really stood out to me was that she wants to rent it to them for $650 a month. Oh, my God. Even in 2008, that was fucking cheap for a beachside cabin. Dude, this is 2008. You couldn't rent the back room fucking peep show booth at a porn store for $650 a month. For those of uh, you... In 2023. Exact. Dude, for those of you that live in Buffalo, New York, you couldn't rent the fucking... Shitter in the women's bathroom at the old pink for six fifty a month. They do have a fine steak sandwich, I'm told. Oh, such a good steak sandwich. <laughs> I'll never know. I would never eat in that fucking place. I had it. It's great. Yeah, it smells like piss. Everything smells like piss in that place. It does smell like piss in there, except for the steak. Yeah. You could say that the old pink is a dilapidated mess, just like this beachside cabin. But Chris is optimistic, while Nicole hates it immediately and is generally just kind of being overly negative for no reason i'm really confused about like the interior of this place like what's going on is this the same house that was in the first movie like what were they going 
Yeah, but it, it wasn't. The the first house was nice. It was two stories. I it's it's all just references. They made a point of focusing on the antlers too, you know, like it's all Oh uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, Oh, look at these antlers, look at me. I'm antler man. Yeah, because the script is actually really good and not bad. I'm a windigo. Woo! Look at these antlers. <laughs> So they go to town to buy furnishings and look for work and are directed to the Frog Brothers shop, uh, which some of you may remember from the original Lost Boys. And it turns out that this is just a trailer in a junkyard because this is not so much a movie as it is a documentary about Corey Feldman's actual life post Goonies. I think somewhere somewhere in between these scenes here. We actually see a shirtless fat guy playing a saxophone. What are you, my dad? But it turns out that Corey Frogman is not home. So Chris decides it would be a good idea to leave his address, his social security number, and a list of his personal weaknesses on the Frogman's door. I think it was also a list of things that turned my 17-year-old sister on. Yeah, he's really trying to get her pregnant by the end of the summer. Yeah! Oh, man. First off, this movie's terrible, but I hate the dynamic between the brother and sister because the whole time it's like the brother wants to fuck his sister. Yeah, there's definitely a kind of an underlying uh, love triangle thing going on. Oh, it's weird. Yay! Which is emphasized by the fact that as soon as he gets home, he decides to stare longingly at the ocean. For he is a former pro surfer, and the waves call to him like a seductive siren. And I can only assume... He's not so much staring out onto the ocean as he is just kind of imagining his sister in the nude. This I takes mean, him approximately seven hours. It's a really long fucking scene. It's kind of pointless. Uh, but the important thing is that he is torn from his musings by vampire Heath Ledger. He shows up acting just like the way Val Kilmer did in the Doors movie and invites our hero, Tad, to a party. So he's obviously a vampire, and what I can only assume is a, a huge Corey Hart fan, which I think we all are. But he invites Chris to this party in the rapiest way possible. And for some reason, Chris is actually interested, because he clearly does not value the integrity of his butthole. Or his sister's hymen. So naturally, this party takes place at the Foot Clan hideout from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, except it's been moved to Tom Savini's beach house for some reason. Yeah. They're doing drugs and fucking. They're gambling. There's a fucking half pipe. They're all, like, doing extreme sports. They're, they're dunking basketballs and throwing cartons of cigarettes at each other. It's just, it's complete hedonism for teenagers. And this is definitely one of those movies where everybody looks like they're in their late 20s and even early 30s, but I think they're all supposed to be like 18, 19, except yeah, for the 17-year-old sister. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, man, this party looked fucking terrible. I would rather masturbate with broken glass in my hand than be caught dead at this party, man. That's. I agree. Yeah. And this is why Chris wastes no time just stirring up some trouble. He gets into some old high school drama, pisses a bunch of people off, and uh, him and his sister leave out the front door. But Nicole is horny. So she convinces Chris to stay. And uh, she is immediately hit on by Vampire Heath Ledger, who is also very horny. Vampires are just super horny in general. So horny, just all the time. I think it's because yeah. of all the teeth. Uh-huh. And to emphasize that point, a surfer groupie, who is also a vampire and clearly horny, seduces Chris with her tits. Uh, yeah! I just can't stand that either because she's standing by a fire pit dressed as like 
this super sexy gypsy doing a dance and like nobody is batting an eye to her yeah uh, we're led to believe that she is just going completely ignored even though she is clearly putting out what i can only assume is like a vampire mating dance like the sexual vibe coming off of her is enough to entice a eunuch well chris noticed so that's the important thing meanwhile heath ledger is trying to impress nicole with a magic trick Instead of a cool, like, noodles turning into worms scene like we had in the first movie, the tribe gives us a fucking seventh grade philosophy lesson on life and death, illustrated by a dead rose being brought back to life because this is all fucking metaphorical and whatnot. And uh, Heath Ledger is a true seductor. Now you keep calling him Heath Ledger. Yeah. I kept calling him Point Break. Wasn't Heath Ledger in Point Break? No, no, that was Patrick Swayze. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. So, <laughs> jump cut to Chris fucking this surfer groupie vampire in the shower. But, for some reason, he is thinking about his sister mid-coitus because this is just a Pornhub video instead of an actual movie. Chris, I'm stuck in the dryer. Too bad. His groupie gets mad when he leaves to go find her. Little does he know that she has gone on a horny motorcycle ride with Heath Ledger who has recently intoxicated her with some mystery drink. Oh. And what do you think that was? Oh, geez, I don't know. Probably a fucking White Claw, Greg. He gave her a Cosby. Oh. Gave that bitch a Cosby. Bitches love Cosbys. Goddamn right. So meanwhile, while Heath Ledger is pranking Nicole with a Cosby drink, his henchmen are pranking each other by just stabbing the shit out of one of their friends just for fun. And I actually thought that this was kind of funny. I, I love that. I really do love that because the only thing I could think of was if you and I were vampires, I would stab the shit out of you. Yeah, except in this case, uh, it's not so much of a metaphor. How am I going to get those pills inside of you? Not a bad question, Bert. Long story short, Keith gave Nicole a Cosby drink, probably blood or something. Who really knows? Chris is not cool with this, so he punches Heath Ledger very weakly. Oh, yeah. After which, Heath accuses Chris of being inappropriately overprotective, even though it's clear that he was trying to have, quote-unquote, sleep sex with her. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. He seems to think that Chris is freaking out for no reason, but it's like, dude, we all know what you did. We all know what tree you're barking up. You're a problem. Stop it. Asshole! <laughs> On the ride home, she complains that she's feeling kind of sick. Go figure, you drank something that you had no idea what it was. Now you're puking in the back seat. So he drags her indoors, where she turns into a deadite for a moment. Join us. This is my primitive dick. And if you're lucky a little later, I'll let you play with my dick. Hail to the dick, 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 baby. You got that? But before she can do any real damage, Hori Frogman knocks her ass out with a surfboard and introduces himself in the worst Batman voice that I have ever heard a human being put on. Chris Emerson, I'm Edgar Frog. This is how Corey is going to play this role through the entire fucking movie. Whose idea was it for him to talk like this? Uh, short answer, Corey Feldman. Surfboard shaper and frog hunter. Yeah, it turned out Corey Feldman was actually really reluctant to do this role because it was intended to just be a cameo. Correct. Somehow he ended up strongholding the script. Turning himself into one of the main characters was the only way that he would actually do the fucking movie. And this is what we ended up with. 
and they were so hungry for star power in this fucking thing that they actually agreed to expand his role while simultaneously allowing him to talk like a jackass. My name is Edgar Frog. I shave surfboards and I hunt vampires. Where are the other frogs going? You know what you're doing. I'm trying to save you. You've Frog. been infected. Oh, yes, Feldman. You barely adopted the dark. I was born in it. Molded by it. It's your frog. Funeral, pal. Get out of my house. Yep. Yeah, but I thought that was the only time he was actually going to sound like that. I thought he would like do a bit like he like did that and be like, and then like do like his normal voice, be like, hey, was that a little too over the top? You know, something fun like that. One thing I know about Corey Feldman, he does not know the meaning of the term over the top. Nope. Those are some very serious words, man. So anyway, Chris easily overpowers Corey, kicks him out of his house, and he just kind of fucks off for a little bit. But who would have known? Almost immediately, there comes a ringing at the door. And who is it? None other than Tila Tequila! Oh uh, yeah, the Serp groupie shows up mostly naked, and the two of them make a mess out of the house, just banging all over the place. Yeah, you know, this, uh, this is actually Janet, the one werewolf from Trick or Treat. Janet. Yeah. Janet Jackson. Take off your pants and Janet. From the Thriller video. <laughs> Janet turns into a vampire. So he impales her on some cleverly set up antlers, which smart on the part of the script to mention those earlier, I have to say. Yeah, it sure. might be one of the few things that this script actually does right, but I don't want to give him too much credit because they did cast Corey Feldman. Whatever you have to say, you can say through the frog. Janet totally gets Linnaed, I like to call this, getting Linnaed, uh, right through the breasts. This is the only time we actually see breasts in the movie, but they're also prosthetics. Hold on There's a second. No... Did what? you not watch the uncut version? Oh, wait, what? There's boobs all over the place in this movie. You just have to watch the right version, my friend. Stop. Yeah, you got screwed. Oh, man, I got Feldman. His butthole has been used like a put more times than he can count. <laughs> so you watched all this Feldman Batman bullshit without even seeing a bunch of boobs? I was so mad. I was so uh... mad. I'm like, where are the tits? Oh, well, they're there. So uh, I guess we should probably make a point here. Anyone in the audience who actually wants to watch this movie or is watching it along with us, if you're not watching the uncut version, turn that shit off and oh, get right. Oh, my God. No! Oh, late tits now. I'm sorry you had to hear it this way, my friend. There's been zero tittery for me this entire time. It's been like a half hour at this point. <laughs> well, just make sure that your review reflects that. Fuck. So the next day, Chris goes to see the Frogman in a more official capacity. And once again, Corey is needlessly dramatic about everything, but he does use the term suck monkey, which is awesome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so if he does anything right this whole movie, he said suck monkey, and that's, that's okay by me. Now, Greg, there's a scene coming up here that uh, Corey, Corey cracks an egg, holy water, garlic and some other bullshit and drinks it and he calls it frog juice frog juice yes nothing's more suspicious than frog's breath 
You don't want frog to go down like this. He makes such a big deal out of this drink that you you feel like it has to become important later, right? Because I uh, thought as maybe... we mentioned, this script is smart and they set stuff up like that. So like we're we're definitely going to see frog juice at some point, right? Yeah. I, so he ingests it. So I thought maybe there would be a scene where like a vampire went to suck his blood, but this stuff is in him and it made the vampire like explode. Yeah. Or like the vampire king comes along, just bites him on the belly and, and sucks his blood right out of his little Corey Feldman tum-tum. <laughs> they both end up dying, but the important thing is that when they do, they're both just entirely rock hard. Or like he's like, he pays one of the vampire hookers, sex workers, yeah. for sex, and he shoots his frog juice load in her, and that kills her. Yeah, but it turns out, nope, this is the last we hear about it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. However, he does already know that Nicole is about to become a full-on vampire because she drank the blood of the head vampire, one Heath Ledger. And he knows this because he read it in a comic book like your average fifth grader. Not because he didn't fucking live it 20 years before this, but yeah, whatever. He got it from a fucking comic book. That's a serious book, man. That's a very serious frog, man. Yeah, you notice there was no dialogue in the book. It was just pictures. It wasn't even (laughs) about vampires. I think I saw fucking Archie in there. <laughs> Archie did actually have a vampire crossover. I think I saw him getting a blowjob in one of those panels. <laughs> and then frog juice came out. I'll take this. I don't like calm, 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 calm. You like this one, Mr. Frog. Lucky me. <laughs> Meanwhile, a local simp that has been stalking Nicole pops in with wine and is not surprised when she jumps straight on his boner. Oh, Emo Evan. He is easily seduced, but Chris shows up just in time with a giant cross to calm Nicole down and prevent full-on insertion. Yeah, cock-blocked Emo Evan there from uh, Beach House Coitus. BJ Simpson. BJ Simpson, sorry. (laughs) Chris tries to convince Nicole that vampire Heath Ledger turned her into a creature of the night, but she is, of course, resistant until he shows her that she has no reflection in the mirror. Whoa. Which is suddenly very important, even though it does not hold true throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. We didn't really talk about it because it's not super important, but Heath Ledger's henchmen throughout all of their parties, throughout all their shenanigans, they're video recording everything that they do. Yeah. And I can only assume if vampires don't have reflections, they're probably not going to show up on film either, right? Oh, man, I don't know. Doesn't that involve, like, lenses and, and reflections? I don't know how that shit works. My it's entire digital, understanding though. of technology is based on taping photographs to my vacuum cleaner, so I could be wrong about that. I just bashed my cock with a rock. Yeah! But anyway, Simpy the Simp is chased by Heath's vampire henchman through a boathouse and is easily captured using vampire magic. And this is the last we hear of him for a while. He's just fucking... He's not all that important to the plot. Yeah, he fucks off. So now... Corey Frogman and Chris the Surfer are on a mission to murder Vampire Heath Ledger and save his sister's soul. It's really not as epic as I made that sound. No. Yeah, basically, uh, Feldman explains to Chris that the mansion he attended a party at is not, in fact, the Vampire Lair. For some odd reason, these are the rules. It has to be a place of human suffering. It has to contain rot. It has to contain vermin. Basically, he's describing a fucking graveyard. I don't know why he goes into so much detail. He's saying they need to be hanging out at a graveyard. Yeah, it's really cool, like you said, Ninja Turtles lair. 
our two main heroes decide the only way to find this lair, rather than just go to the, the local graveyard, is to concoct a scheme where one of them goes undercover in the vampire inner circle, which of course should be easy for Chris because he recently punched their leader in the face. So while they're figuring their shit out, Heath and Nicole are engaging in a clandestine vampire love affair. Oh boy. While Heath's henchmen fight over video games on the couch and just stab each other for fun over and over again, I just can only assume that this is a metaphor, right? I get it. And a thinly veiled one at that. Yeah. So Heath and Nicole have an annoying PG-13 sex scene while a cover of Cry Little Sister plays, and it is not by Corey Feldman, so I consider this a crime against humanity. Oh man, what a shame. This would have been the perfect point to include some Feldman music. So he was able to fucking mush himself into a larger role, but he couldn't get his actual uh, his music into the movie, and that's, was, that's a fuck up. Was the Comeback King out yet? Oh no, that's actually pretty new. However, he has been making music Pretty much since the 80s. So he had a he had a robust catalog by that yeah. chosen from. Which most likely also included his own cover of Cry Little Sister. Which isn't terrible. Which, uh, yeah, many Feldman fans, or as I like to call them, Feldmaniacs, uh, consider some of his best work. Covering a song from a movie you were in. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of it right here just so everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, there you go. This is called Cry Little Sister. Today's gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do Chris finds that he's not going to get any help from the local police force. In fact, they don't really care about vampires at all. But as he leaves the station, he is confronted in the parking lot by one of Heath's vampire henchmen, who brings him to see his vampire overlord. Pretty sure that was Dirks Bentley. Dirks. 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 So Heath gives Chris the typical vampire lord speech about how humans are dumb and vampires can't die and they get to stay up late and they get to eat sugar after midnight and they get to do all the things, they get to just do all the fun stuff that uh, 10-year-olds do at sleepovers, including skateboarding and looking at porn. And this is a hard thing for Chris to argue with. So he says, you know what? Let me join your tribe. Oh, man, that sounds awesome. If this movie happened now, it'd be like we could stay up all night doing TikTok videos. That is unfortunately true. Yep. So Heath offers him a chance to join the titular tribe, but first, he must master the skateboard to prove he isn't a big old dweeb. I hated this scene so much, I don't even want to talk about it. It's very bad, yeah. Um, Yeah. Their master plan is to go and fuck with the cops. By that, I mean they are going to start a motorcycle skitchin' police chase like a bunch of fucking ten-year-olds. Oh, God. They are chased along a pier, I think it is, like along a boardwalk by a bunch of inept cop cars, while Chris, riding a skateboard, holds on to the back of Heath Ledger's motorcycle. And I can tell you, anyone who's ever been on a skateboard knows there's no fucking way you can go more than, like, 
seven miles an hour doing this. Otherwise, you're just going to fucking <laughs> fall off. It's, it's yeah. just not possible, especially like going over wood. They're doing all kinds of impossible stunts. They're hanging off of cranes. The skateboard is like glued to their feet. It's very 90s, but this was shot in 2008, so I don't know what the fuck they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, um, this was like the height of extreme. And that's like what yeah. they were going for, man. I hated it so much. This was like Fear Factor shit. This is the part of the 2000s that nobody liked, basically. No, if you go back and watch movies from 2008, like these low-budget ones, they're all like this, and they're fucking terrible. And this is exactly why I describe Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, as the tribal tattoo of vampire movies. Yeah, yeah. This scene right here. This is barbed wire around a bicep. What are you, my dad? But anyway, Chris inevitably passes the test because he is a skilled enough skateboarder to become a part of the titular tribe. Yay! The next morning, he goes home, seemingly hungover, just kind of detached from reality, which is the first thing that Aunt Jillian notices and accuses him of acting like a vampire, which is hilarious. Yeah. When really, uh, the kids have just been out doing drugs, having premarital sex, and skateboarding all up in the cops' faces all night. I thought for sure she was going to end up being like grandpa from the first movie. Like, you know, that's one thing about Santa Clara, all these goddamn vampires. Like, Uh, we were all waiting for it. I thought she was going to be the one to like, kind of like save the day at the end. Like, oh, I've been dealing with these fucking vampires for years. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would have made sense. I mean, they, they copied pretty much the rest of the plot from the original one. So why wouldn't they take that, too? But they do kind of, they give you a little twist on it at the end just to be kind of funny, right? We'll get there. So now that Chris is, of course, part of the titular tribe, uh, he is encouraged to drink blood to prove that he's cool, which he does because he is cool. And they all go night surfing and also to have lesbian beach encounters. Oh, yeah. Which I think we can all agree is a noble cause. Absolutely. And really... When Heath was giving him the speech about how cool vampires are and how what they do is so much more fun than what the fucking humans do, this is all he had to mention. Like, hey man, lesbian beach encounters. This is what we do. This is what this is what our tribe is all about. Yeah. Chris couldn't have drank that blood fast enough in that context. I mean, down the hatch. Right? Dude, everything that these vampires are doing is pretty fucking cool. Sure. They're d- doing stab pranks with each other. Hanging out with lesbian beach goers, staying up all night. Dude, everything's awesome. Yeah, they, they stayed up well past midnight. In their lair, I saw an arcade game. That's pretty cool. Just living the dream. Yeah, man. USA! USA! So while everybody's fucking around with lesbians on the beach, Heath abruptly gets up to say, Hey, Chris, I'm going to go fuck your sister back at the house. And Chris Which- says, Nobody fucks my sister but me! He basically says, I'm coming too. And uh, the audience is just sort of like, uh, all right, man. I don't know why you'd be there. Um, but he gets denied by Heath because clearly two cocks is a crowd. And the henchmen violently devour the hot beach babes instead of sexing them. Now, Greg. Yes. Was there tittery in the scene? There was, actually. This has been the most potent scene of tittery in the entire film. Oh, and it was actually on. in the uncut version, there was not really even much of a reason for the tittery. It was just the vampire henchmen with their little video camera 
just going, hey, show me some girls gone wild type stuff. And then the girls are like, okay, here you go. And he just kind of went from one to the next to the next, being like, pop them out for my camera. And then uh, at a certain point, they decided we got bored with these tits and we're just going to eat you. Oh, man, they did the whole, like, dump them out, baby, and they did, and I missed it? I'm afraid so, my friend. I'm afraid so. Oh, man, life sucks. This is a bad movie, but uh, you should probably just watch the uncut version. I won't. I mean, why do that when you could be having Jean-Claude Van Damme just karate kick some pills up your asshole? Stop it. Get some help. So while the vampire henchmen are eating the hot beach babes, Chris completely blows his cover before he really even has a chance to go undercover by sparing his girl, who I have to say gets eaten anyway, so it's kind of pointless. But fortunately, Hori fucking Feldman shows up, and he's ready for some steak and bait. Yeah. It'd be a real mistake if I didn't get here in time. Yeah, yeah, steaks. I was staking out the beach, and then I saw you guys. I thought I saw a bunch of lesbians, but I think I'm mistaken. Show yourself, Frog. I know you're out there. Yeah, Corey, you're just a little bit too late. Yep. So Chris and Corey get in each other's faces about whether Chris is still cool, because Corey can tell that he's... He's already drank the blood. He's kind of part vampire. And he really confronts him here. He gets right up in his grill going, are you cool? Tell me you're still cool. And you can really tell that Corey's breath smells like pure dog shit in this close-up. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this scene. And I don't know what it is about the way this is shot. But you can just, you can feel Corey's hot, poopy breath just coming oh, right off the, off the screen. Corey Feldman, I bet he smells like he's never flossed. He smells like he doesn't wipe his ass. No, sir. I didn't like it. <laughs> Just like the liver king. And if you don't mind, I think right about now is a good time to take it away. This is what I've been looking forward to, Greg. All right, let's go. The two decide it's time to break into vampire headquarters and get Chris's sister back. Which they do. The end. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Chris and Frogman arrive just in time as Heath is forcing Nicole to drink the blood of a tied up Simpy Simperton. A henchman gets poked by an engine driven stakeomatic, and Corey pops another one's head open with a holy water grenade. Chris and Heath engage in frenzied vampire fisticuffs and destroy most of the secret lair before Nicole comes between them. Their normal faces turn into scary faces as they get significantly more aroused. Nicole stabs Heath in the back, but before he can stab her again, Chris beheads him with a swift katana slice, which also starts him on fire for some reason. Frogman enters the room dramatically, acting like he did something when really he's been mostly useless. They all go home, where Simpy impotently hits on Nicole, and Aunt McGruff, the crime landlord, accuses them all of being big potheads. Corey Haim awkwardly lifts his way through the post credit scene, and everyone gets laid because it's... <laughs> oh, that one hurt. Oh, yeah, this movie was terrible. Oh, my God. I am a very big fan of bad movies. There's uh -huh. bad movies that are fun. 
And then there's this. This was just kind of torturous. But Corey Feldman, I hate to say he made up for it, but his uh, his performance was bad enough that it stayed amusing throughout. Uh, I'm trying to look on the bright side here, man. Corey Haim was supposed to have a bigger part in the movie, but this was during the time when he relapsed. Yeah, this was during the shooting of the two Corys. And uh, I believe their TV crew was not allowed on set, so they weren't no, allowed to No, no, they weren't allowed on set because they uh, didn't want anyone knowing the plot. Haim kind of fucked himself out of a bigger role on this one. Sad to say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the little bit that he did contribute at the, the end after the credits, it's pretty amusing. It was it was kind of fun, I guess. It's good to see him. Yeah, sure. I think shortly after this is uh, he was in Crank, and then after that he passed away. Unfortunately, yes. R.I.P. Yeah. Moment of silence for Mr. Hain. But one thing I think they uh, kind of dropped the ball on, not that this script was competent really in any way, but there was a tease that the other frog brother was going to come back as a vampire. There was something about, he was in a, he was on the inside of a car that was painted black and he had like a video screen inside of it. They were using him uh, like he was taunting Corey Frogman, but he yeah. didn't have like a, any kind of significant showdown with him or anything. He didn't really like, it didn't amount to anything like that would have been a good climax. It, it was like something like, Oh, your, your brother's coming back in town or something. It was just him driving a car. They're leaving that for the third one. The Thirst, which I have yet to watch because I hated this movie so much. I oh, yeah, first... I'm definitely not going to watch that one. Yeah, I watched The Tribe when it first came out. I, I remember seeing it at Blockbuster. I was really excited, so I picked it up. And then, oh, man, then I watched it. Um, and you and didn't then... even get the uncut version. No, apparently I didn't. I didn't then because I don't remember tits being in it then. But, I mean, that was a long time ago. And then, uh, yeah, uh, earlier when I watched it, I definitely watched, like, I guess would be the rated version, yeah. which uh, really just bums me out, man, because uh, some tits would have actually made this movie a little more enjoyable. You know what? They kind of did. So, uh, what would you rate this film overall if you had to give it a number or say uh, something on the scale of scary? Well, let's see. You got Tom Savini back as a vampire again, back uh, first time as a vampire since playing a sex machine in uh, From Dust Till Dawn. It's cool seeing Angus Sutherland, uh, who is definitely the Billy Baldwin of the Sutherlands. Oh! It's oh, okay. We got Corey and Corey. They were back. I guess that was kind of cool. They're back in Santa Clara. They had a lot of homages to the original Lost Boys, which just really fucking fell flat. Dude, I'm giving this movie uh two scaries tough but fair two yeah it's it's unrewatchable the dialogue was written by an eight-year-old it's a bad movie but not a good bad movie you know i can't disagree with any of the points that you made i'm gonna have to give it a couple extra points because um i did watch the movie that had ample tittery and <sighs> there was a very specific scene where a vampire did magic. Awesome! So, for me, it gets a solid 5 out of 5. That makes sense. Get the old uh, stamp of approval here. I recommend that everybody go out and rent this movie. You know what? Don't even rent it. Go buy it. It's a fucking masterpiece. And uh, while you're at it, get the third one and pay double for it. 
Well, that concludes Spell March, our horror sluts. Yeah, it was a quick one this year. That was, that was. Uh, Troll March went on for months. Spell March, two weeks. You know, it's uh, it's about all I could handle anyway. To be honest, this one took a lot out of me. I uh, do not want to see Corey Feldman or his stinky, stinky face for a while. Yeah, I, I'm, like, good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll see him again when I get my uh, Friday the 13th fix in because, goddamn, do I love Final Chapter. You know, he was a lot more palatable as a child. And rapable. Unfortunately, every producer in Hollywood also does. So. <laughs> <laughs> do you really think that after all these years, I'm just going to let this frog go like nothing ever happened between us? See, that's the thing, too. You only get two weeks of this because this is all Greg and I have. It's the same joke. We're already walking a pretty fine line with these uh, Corey Feldman got booped jokes. If so, you um, gave us one more week of Feld March, we would be canceled. And God knows we came close recently. We're dodging bullets like Corey Feldman is dodging cocks. <laughs> if you love magic as much as you love cock, then watch Lost Boys 2. Well, Greg, April's coming up. What, uh, what do you say? What's the theme going to be, baby? Let's just say that I'm looking forward to it. Oh, uh, I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good, very good. I can't wait for April to begin. All right, I pushed it too hard on that one. You get what I'm saying. We're doing yeah. fours. We're, we're doing fours. fours. Uh, it's because it's the fourth month in the year. So we, we got four from looking at calendars, and now we're going to do the fourth part of movies. Okay, and that sounds the, fun, right? And honestly, in a franchise, the fourth movie, chances are, is the best movie. So we're going to cover the best of the best. Rule of thumb, part four, best of the series. That's usually when they go to space or thereabouts. Think about it, man. Superman 4, best Superman yeah. movie. Perfect in every way. Hellraiser 4, best of the series. Yeah, the Leprechaun got pretty good right around part four, if I remember right. That's when he went to space. Hell yeah. <laughs> there have been other movies at fours, and I'm like, we'll we'll think of something. Don't worry about it. We'll, yeah, we'll bring you sure. some content. If not, uh, you can always go watch one of our older episodes. There's plenty of good ones. Just, you know, start around like 20 or so. That's when they really got good. Yeah, sure. All right, my man. So uh, with that said, how would you like to love each other? How would you like to care for another? Fuck. Care for one another. Yeah, there you go. But most keep. importantly... <laughs> keep. keep. All right, you know the thing. Fuck this. Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. That's, yeah, that's how we're ending. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Damn, that's scary. I told you I could get a little crazy. Oh, no, motherfucker, you ain't going nowhere. I'm not saying words as good as I normally do. What's a good thing to put in my butt? Because of the combination of drugs. Lesbian beach encounter. Uh, eventually, we started masturbating. Come here, sketchman. I have a castle to describe. Frog, 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 frog. Corey Feldman? Corey Feldman! Corey Feldman. Oh, fuck, that guy. Frog.